Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. We're going to have the Bible reading now uh, together, and we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. It'll be on the screen behind me, or if you've got a Bible, you can find it there. And we'll pick it up from chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year to everyone. It is an interesting season when we've had Christmas. Most of us have had a, a little bit of a break and now thinking about facing a new year, which is exciting, but also a little bit apprehensive. So, because we don't know what's ahead of us. So, let me pray and that God will uh, allow this passage to speak to us, that God will draw near to us and uh, comfort us as we face a new year. Let's pray. Dear Father God, just thank you for your love and your kindness on us, that you never abandon us, that even in the face of uh, another year in front of us, that you are interested in us. You value the decisions we make. We va- you value... Uh, how we trust in you and draw near to you. So I pray that you'd speak to us this morning to encourage us that way. In Jesus' name, amen. It is the time for New Year's resolutions and New Year's goals and times to think about what do you want to get out of this year, now that we're here already? What do you want to get out of this year? See, lots of other people will tell you what you should be aiming for this year, what you should be uh, looking at making your New Year's resolutions. And I've noticed... Uh, lots of, particularly if you watch Free to Air TV, lots of advertising have really stepped up their act to tell you what you need. For example, uh, if you're single, you need to be together with someone. So on TV particularly, the dating apps are everywhere. If you're single, are putting pressure on you from all angles, you're copying it. But also, if you're a little bit thinking, maybe I should get a little bit more trimmer this year, the food plan ads. The food plan adds to say you could be eating healthier, you should be losing weight, all you need to do is sign up for us. And they're just flooding you everywhere you look too, particularly if you're that way inclined, like me, just going, oh wow, maybe I should. But there's also, the one that really grabs me is an increase in ads. I'm not sure it's increasing ads or just I'm more susceptible to it. But the craze for cordless power tools. This is what you need. Can you imagine having a shed like that? If your shed looked like that, all the cordless power tools you're on, your life would be so much easier. Your life would be made complete, some might say. In fact, pictures like this, um, psychologists have labelled tool porn because it actually has the, the potential to break up marriages that you know, I can even see now. Some of the husbands jabbing wives and wives jabbing husbands. Like, check this out. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? A tool shed. 
with all the coolest power tools you could dream of. Lots of people will tell you what you need to do to make your life complete, what you need to do this year to have it all. Now, during this week, this weekend actually, with the flicking of the calendar, changing of the calendar, we pulled up the new church calendar. And the church calendar, uh, which our very own Emily Barrett has put together, um, with original artwork, she didn't sign anything, but we're very thankful that we've got all this stuff. But as you turn the calendar into this month, of this year, she has helpfully picked out Romans 12 too, that says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It sort of goes in the face of our culture. Our culture is saying, you need this to be complete. You need this to have the good life, to, be, to enjoy, to make the most out of life. But in a world that has somehow shut God out, our society has rejected God and is trying to fill that empty space in their heart with other things to try and make them complete or make them joyful and, and to get through life. What the Bible actually says is actually don't conform to the pattern of this world, but actually look to God, draw near to God. Actually, God, our Father God, has got something better planned for you and He cares for you and He wants you to draw near to Him so we can know His will for us, know His plan for us and know what He wants for us. But are we going to trust Him in that? Are we going to have faith in his plan, not ours? And what does that even look like? To have a New Year's resolution to say, I want to be following God, my Father God, more. I want to be drawing to, near to him more. I want to be letting him lead me. What does that even look like if we were to have that as our New Year's resolution? Now, the passage we had read for us before is from a letter that was written to a church they were trying to work out how to, how to live for God. And these opening verses of this letter outlines a series of promises from God, three promises for things that God has done for his people, those people who have trusted him, who believe in him, that want to live and serve him. And what does this mean? How do these promises shape us and impact us, even for this new year ahead? So we're going to run through three promises that shape the way we should be living. The first one is, I've given you a life worth living, my words. Because in the verse, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now, it talks about this living hope. In the way the hope is used in the Bible, and the way hope used to be used in the oldie days, was not just wishful thinking hope, but it was assurance. You can put your hope in something. Having the assurance, you know it's going to happen. And to have living hopes, like true hope, it's not like we put our hope in lots of different things. We put our hope in things in life that is a bit like wishful thinking. My last year's New Year's resolution was to get fit and lose weight. That sort of hope was wishful thinking, as you can see. But it's not assurance. But what this is saying, you can have living assurance, true assurance, that what he's saying is true. It's true. 
as opposed to things we put our hopes in. We put our hopes in things that we think is going to make life worth living. If you're single, is it a partner that that's going to complete us? That's going to make our life worth living. Is it having kids? They're going to fill my life with joy. Is it having more money? That's going to give me the stress-free life. Is it my health? If I just had good health, the rest of my life would be smooth. It's like we put our hope into these things, yet we're so fragile and our lives are so fragile, either someone wrecks it for us, someone lets us down, or something lets us down and fails us, or we even let ourselves down and it doesn't come through. And we realise that's not assurance, that's not a living hope, that's actually more, it's wishful thinking that those things are going to complete us and give us a life worth living. And we get frustrated with life when that happens. We ask ourselves, look, what are we doing here? What are we chasing these things for? And we ask questions about our life and what we're living for. But there's one thing, there's one thing that we need to know. For those who believe in Jesus, those who follow God, those who have faith, he's saying, God is a sure thing. He won't let you down. Father God has great mercy on us, he says. It's not because you've earned it, you deserve it, but through his mercy, his love for you, he has given you a living hope. And did you notice, he's already given that to you. You already have it, this new birth, this new life, this made complete. It's not if things work out. It's not if you're good enough, if you're religious enough. If you do these things, God will come through to you. God will reward you. No, no. It's actually more if, doesn't depend on you. The if depends on, does God really care for you? Does God really uh, have the power and ability to conquer death and sin? <laughs> As the passage, the passage said, that we get this new life through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Actually, that if happened 2,000 years ago when God entered the world through Jesus, his son. He walked with us. He put on humanity and then he bore our sin on the cross and in the tomb, he was dead. Can you imagine? You've seen him being buried. He's not coming back. You've written him off. But the true confidence of Jesus was that he will be raised on the third day and he was raised on the third day, beating sin and death. That's not if anymore, it's a fact. Historians believe there's something going on, even historians who aren't Christians going, something happened there that so many people would believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It talks about people, so many people seeing him and so many people giving their lives because they truly believed he rose from the dead. They're truly convinced. They truly saw him. The, there's no if anymore. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means he has conquered death. And when we believe in him, trust in him, we get included in this. We, do, we no longer fear death anymore. There's more to life than the here and now. In fact, when we see this, we've given new life. We've already got it through trusting in Jesus. But even more than that, we get an inheritance. We get something to live for that's way bigger than the here and now. And it talks about this inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. He's talking about heaven. 
which gives us great comfort, because in this world, there's lots of pain and suffering, there's lots of tears, there's lots of hurt, but heaven is a place for the sake. There'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more hurt. It's there for you. Now, this should change how we live. These are promises that's already happened. There's no ifs if you're going to trust in Jesus, and this is what God has given you. Now, this should change how we live. Now, the closest thing I can get to illustrate this is every few months I get a letter in the mail from my superannuation fund. So when you start work, you have to, or your employees have to, employers have to put away money each, each pay packet into a super fund. So your super fund builds, your money in that account builds for when you retire. So when you can finish work, you can access, you have some savings there to continue living life. Now, so I get this letter every few months going, hey, look, this is where your super fund's at. You've got all this money. The fact is, it is my money because it's my account, but I can't touch it till I'm 70 or whatever the government regulations are at the time. I can't touch it. It's mine, but I can't have it. The effect that that has on me is... Even though I can't have it now, I start thinking about that day when I do retire. What am I going to do with that money? How am I going to live? How am I going to spend my retirement? So I start thinking about, I've got one eye here, on the here and now, I need to work and I continue to do things, but I've also got one eye on retirement. And it's getting closer for me, probably more than most of you guys, but I've got one eye on retirement, thinking I'm working towards something. Now, that illustration has lots of failings, but that's a way it should impact us when God says, I have an inheritance for you. In fact, I have an inheritance that has already been given to you. Can't access it now, but it's yours. But after this world finishes, after this life is complete, either we pass away or Jesus returns, this is yours. How should that impact us? We're not consumed about the here and now. All of a sudden, we should have one eye on eternity, there's a bigger picture at play, much bigger than a retirement plan. It's a much bigger picture that God has for us. Something that we should enjoy, something that we want to live for, because that's where I know that I'm going to find true fulfillment, true joy, that I am going to be made complete there. So as we live now, when, when God says in this promise, I give you a life, I've given you a life worth living, it's like, don't get consumed about the here and now. Don't be consumed about proving yourself. Don't be consumed about trying to have it all. Because God has given you life, a real life, through Jesus. And he's given you a true inheritance that's waiting for you. That's going to change things like our New Year's resolutions. That things like, why do I let this world define me for who I am? whether I'm single or married, why, why do I let the world speak into that space? How heavy I am, my weight balance, why do I let the world dictate to me whether I'm a success or failure? When I can see through this promise, God says, I've accepted you. If you trust in Jesus, faith in Jesus, I've accepted you and I've given you everything. I've given you everything. Stops us from putting our hopes in short-term things and giving us real perspective on the long game. This is what life's about, living for him, enjoying him, trusting in Jesus. What would it look like for you to let this shape 
to let eternity shape how you live this year. We can actually let go of some of the things we hold on to so tightly. You know, if it's all about me and my identity, it's about having security in money, having security in my popularity, having security in what people think of me. I can actually let that go. God has accepted me. I can start thinking the long perspective. I've got something greater to live for. I can actually let that go. I can be more generous. I can be more loving to people without worrying about my character. But I can, I can give myself more because I know how much God's given to me and how much better that is. So when God says, I've given you a life worth living, he has. He's given us something to live for, eternity, more than the here and now. The second thing, God says, I'm guarding you. This is an interesting promise. Because through these things, uh, he talks about faith all through this passage. And faith is trusting, trusting in him and believing in him. Now, if it's all up to our faith and trusting him, if you're like me, we have ups and downs. This is a bit of a roller coaster because there's lots of questions being asked of my faith. There's lots of doubts at times. Am I good enough? What, what can I do to believe more? Have I got it together? But God promises that he will never leave you alone, even when we're feeling weak, even when we've got doubts, just having the smallest bit of faith. Because he says, who through faith, talking about the people, through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. Basically saying, God is going to shield you, protect you until Jesus returns again. It's an interesting phrase, this, this word, um, uh, our NIV Bible uses the word shielded. Uh, some Bibles use guarded. And the word is uh, often used outside of the Bible because the Bible was written uh, first century Roman Empire. So it's written in Greek. And the Greek, whenever this word appears, this either shielded or guarded, it's usually in terms of a military sense that the military is guarding a city or guarding a person. They're protecting it. Uh, in the Old Testament, you might be familiar with a story where um, we looked at the end of last year where Israel was saved out of slavery by God, but he brought them through the, the desert to the promised land, to the promised land. And when they got to the edge of the promised land, they were looking to get in, and Israel, in their wisdom, sent out some spies to check it out. Is it worth taking this promised land, what do we need to do to get the promised land? The spies come back and go, oh man, this land is so great. So much food, the fruit is so big. It's a land of prosperity, it's so good. But they said it's too guarded, this same word. It's too guarded, so we, we can't go in. We won't, we'll be destroyed if we go in because it's guarded so well. It's the same word that God guards us the same way God guards us and protects us and not let anybody come in to take us and this is a relationship we have with God the New Testament explains that when we believe in Jesus follow Jesus God's Holy Spirit comes and puts a seal on us that stamps us that we belong to God we are God's children and when we're stamped with that, God says, I'm never going to let you out of my sight. I am going to protect you. I'm going to shield you. I'm never going to abandon you. The problem we have, though, even though God promises this, we actually live a lot like the Israelites. 
Because when the Israelites uh, come up to that promised land, they got the report from the guards. There was a few of the Israelites, and literally a few, who said, yeah, God's with us, let's charge in and take over this place. But most of them, almost all of them, they looked around and said, humanly speaking, we're a weak people. We are nothing. God saved us from slavery. We've been wandering the desert. We're tired. We've been chased by the Pharaoh. We've ended up here and we got nothing. We're going to be taken down. We're going to lose everything. And their doubts crept in. The treasure, the, the promised land was too guarded for us to take and they walked away. Their doubts got the best of them. Often we go through that as well. There's some days we might say, yeah, let's take on the world. God is with us. But then a lot of the time, it's go, I'm too weak. Too weak. I cannot handle that. I cannot keep going. So what, so what do we do in times like that? How is God going to guard us? How are we going to have the faith to do that? What does God expect for us in those moments? There's another passage that's helpful in this point. It comes from Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, where it's described, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. That same word. He will guard your hearts and... Sorry. And the minds... Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God is there for you. He just wants you to have faith, to trust in him, to actually ask him, to pray to him, say, God, this is what's going on in my life. I don't know whether my faith is strong enough to handle this. Can you guard me, protect me? And like any father, so when you're a father, dads will get this, when you're a dad and you see your kids doing stuff and they need help, you can just jump in and give them help. But the chances are they're not going to appreciate it. They're not going to sometimes even want it. Or they're sometimes not even going to recognise that you did it because you care for them. But how good is it when you're a dad, or a mum for that matter, when your kid comes to ask you for help? When you actually get asked for help? That's like, yeah, they truly look to me and want me to help. They want me in their lives. That's the same with our Father God. God could step in at every time, every moment to make your life easy, but that's not a relationship. But when we come to him with prayers and petitions, going, God, I'm weak here, I'm struggling here, can you help me out? There's a promise there, God will guard you, he'll protect you, he'll shield you with his power. Now that shapes, again, this year, how we live our lives in perspective with God. Do we pray to him? Do we share our life with him? Do we bring him with us every day? Because he goes before us, guarding us, shielding us. This year, how about we be more thankful? Because when we're thankful and giving stuff to him, the passage even says it removes our anxiety. We don't have to worry about stuff when we know we've got the God of the universe, our Father God, right beside us and going before us. This promise is big, I'm guarding you. And the third one, the third promise, I'm strengthened, uh, I'm strengthening your faith. That's a promise from God. Now, as you consider your New Year's resolution, I don't think it matters whether you've 
just become a Christian or been a Christian all, all your life, as you look to this year, yeah, look, I hope that this year is going to be a good year that I'm going to grow in my faith. And sometimes we even have a picture of what that looks like, that we have an idea of somebody who's a person that's gone before us, a role model that goes, yeah, they've usually an older person who's gone through the ups and downs of life, the trials of life, and their faith has just gone from strength to strength. So, yeah, I want to have a life like them. I want people to see me as somebody with a rock-solid faith. But what we don't realise is sometimes we've got to be careful what we ask for because those people have gone through the ups and downs of life, the trials of life, to have that faith. So if we want to be strengthened in our faith, this is what is, we're told. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though for now, for, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ where Jesus Christ is revealed. See, sometimes we want to pray to God, like, God, relieve me of these things. There's lots of things in this that I would say, what I want in my New Year's resolutions, what I want in my prayer. I want to have a faith that's described as a genuineness of your faith. I want to, I want to have that uh, faith that endures and is tested and tried and true. I want people to see me to go, yeah, that's somebody who's truly trusting Jesus. This is true faith. But yeah, I can tell you what's not on my list of New Year's resolutions, and that is suffering and trials and all kinds of grief, whatever that is, whether that's physical discomfort, whether it's financial discomfort, whether it's suffering for being a Christian, no matter what it is. I don't want it. I don't want that. But you can see what is being said here through God's promise. God's promise to fill us with this strong faith, proven, tried and true. You've actually got to go through life. You've actually got to be confronted by some of these things. Sometimes we feel like when life is bad, that God is not with us, that he has abandoned us. Or he's far from us. He's not answering my prayers. He doesn't even care for me. We can feel like that. But in this passage, he's saying, no, even in those moments, he's guarding you, he's protecting you, he's taking you on this journey. He's strengthening you. He has not abandoned you. He has, he's not um, ignoring your prayers. It's not that he's not interested in you, but he's allowing these trials, life experience to shape you to mould you, to trust in him. Being a Christian and having uh, New Year's ambitions of the good, easy life is not always going to happen. In fact, some of you say it's going to be hard. Some of you, you're going to have trials that's going to shape your faith. The question is, are you going to draw near to God in those moments? Are you going to trust him, be praying to him, giving over yourself to him, trusting in his plans? Are you going to draw near to God, letting him guard you? Are you going to have the perspective of living for eternity? I'm not living for the here and now anymore. God's got something much greater for me. 
Or are you going to walk away? Saying, this is all God's got. I don't want any part of it, like the Israelites. What's trying to be explained to us through these promises, through the ups and downs of life, through the here and now, God's got you on this journey. He's growing you, moulding you, shaping you, guarding you. And he's given you an inheritance, an inheritance that won't disappear. Now, some of us can look back on this last year and go, actually, I know what he's talking about. There's been times in the last 12 months where some of us have gone through severe trials, real times of testing, things that have really tested our faith. Are you going to trust God or are you just going to do things your way, abandon him? And we know that what that journey is like because of those trials. So we know that it's true. These things happen. But as we look to this year, let me encourage you, let me encourage us as a church to embrace this journey of faith, to embrace God's promises that we are a new people, we do have true life, we do have an inheritance waiting for us. And that gives us a new perspective, that God is guarding us for the here and now so he can take us into eternity. But yet also, that through the ups and downs in life, God is moulding us, shaping us, growing us in our faith. Not just us as individuals, but us as a church, that he'll be growing us in our trust, our love, and our walk with him. I pray now, and it's a pretty bold prayer, that God will fulfil these things, that he will be moulding us, shaping us, and giving us an eternal perspective. But that might mean this year could be hard, but we commit that to him, to be with us, to trust him in that journey. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we just thank you for your love for us. That through your promises, you do not abandon us. Through your promises, you don't put conditions. If we're good enough, if we're religious enough, if we do this or that, the Lord, you pour out your mercy on us, as undeserving as we are. That you give us everything. That we don't have to prove ourselves, but we trust in Jesus. We don't have to have everything in the here and now, because you've given us everything in eternity. Lord, help us to trust in you. Lord, the faith we have, we pray that this year will be a journey where we grow in that faith. We grow in our trust, that we see you at work in our lives, in the ups and the downs. But Lord, let us do this journey together too, that as a church, that we support each other, love each other, spur each other on in our walk with you. So this time next year, we might be able to say, yes, we saw you at work in our lives. And we truly trust in you for true life. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.